Oh man, we're looking forward to this. We're going to talk about the music of an artist whose approach to songwriting changed the music industry. Carol King has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. She co-wrote, can you believe this? This can't be right. 118 hits on the Billboard Hot 100s. Her 1971 album, Tapestry, topped the charts. I'm going to check that number. Can you check that number for me, Sally? It looks like a typo. Her 1971 album, Tapestry, topped the charts for 15 weeks on release and stayed on the charts for six more years. Perhaps you've got a copy at your house. Well, to tell us why Carol King's music was so important and, in fact, still resonates today, we're joined by singer, actor, teacher and performer Ali Harper. Ali knows... Carol's music well, having written and previously toured a show called A Natural Woman, featuring Carol King's music. We're also joined by Graham Waldrop, who will accompany Ellie on guitar. Hi, Ellie. Kia ora, Jesse. Thanks Love for your to time today. You. Yeah, nice yeah. to talk to you as well. What drew you, what first drew you to the music of Carol King? Well, you know, I'm always looking on the lookout for artists that inspire me to do what I do. And, you know, over the years I've, you know, done shows on Doris Day, Burt Bacharach, many legendary women. And Carol King really resonates with me. I think particularly in this current world we're living in, she writes in a really optimistic, you know, way that really, you know, you think 1971, that is a long time ago. That's like, you know, 51, 52 years ago. And yet here we are still wanting the same things. We're wanting to wake up every morning Mm. with a smile on our face. And she wrote about all of that. And I think I wanted to write a show that would make feel audiences feel wonderful. And I launched that show just before COVID. And so it has been really a soothing balm over these last couple couple of years and it's really amazing that her music is so timeless my producer Sally tells me that number is correct 118 yeah. pop yeah. pop hits she wrote or mm-hmm. co-wrote mm-hmm. Um, and so what what is it about her songwriting from your perspective <laughs> Well, you know, she came from a time when she was born, you know, we were talking the 40s, and then when she was an adolescent, you know, a teenager, she was really inspired by the rock and roll era. You know, this is the 50s, and everyone's getting their beautiful skirts on, and they're out dancing, and the men are all wearing their beautiful suits, Mm. and, you know, there's all those wonderful school dances. So, Carol is 15. By this stage, she knows the piano well, because her mother had a piano in their front living room, and she taught Carol to play the piano from the age of four. And her father was a fireman and he'd get Carol to traipse out from the age of four to play for all his cronies from the fire station that all gather in the front, the good room, and <laughs> on every Sunday. And here she'd come out and she was really terrified. I mean, she wasn't a born performer. She was really shy. Anyway, she'd come out and she'd play the piano. And then as she got older, she thought, wow, I really love writing music. And so she created this band at school from the age of 15 and they'd played all the school shows you know the school bands and and she had this band where she played the piano sang and wrote the music and then oh a year later she locked eyes with this very dark handsome chap by the name of Jerry Goffin now you'll know Jesse that you know Carol and and Jerry became amazing songwriters mm. together and um, and what they do is it's been endless hours uh, Jerry would write the lyrics and Carol would sit at the piano and together they just started to write these 
you know, a catalogue of, of songs. And, you know, one thing I love and I really admire about Carol, not only is she really clever and really talented as a musician, but she's also fearless. And I really love that about her. I mean, we're talking the 50s here where women kind of had a place in society. There was an expectation for what they were supposed to do. But this is where I just love Carol and that she starts to break out. She goes, no, 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 I want our songs to be heard. And yep, I'm going to be... Um, uh, an English teacher one day and I'm going to have a brood of children but I want to write music and I want other artists to sing it and I want to be respected so you know what she did she got out the New York phone book because where she's you know she's living in Brooklyn mm. and she starts to ring every major record label <laughs> in New York now you can imagine how time consuming that was but she was determined and sure enough she starts to walk the stairs to Aldon Records they said yep we'd like to see you she sits down at the piano, you know, these top exec, these big, you know, chaps who are really high up in the in the industry. She sits there and she plays what she and Jerry have written and they sign her and they say, okay, you can go along to Tim Pan Alley and this is where all the rock and roll songs were written. Up the road was the Brill Building where you've got artists like Burt Bacharach and Neil Sedaka all writing the pop songs. Well, Tim Pan Alley was where the rock and roll songs were written. And the thing is, it was like a, a nine-to-five job. These composers would turn up in these tiny little office light rooms with just a beat-up piano and a small desk and an ashtray because everyone smoked. You can imagine, holy moly, no windows to open. And they would just ride out and churn out songs. And they'd sell them for like $25. You know, it was amazing. And sometimes they were said, okay, the Chiffons want a song written for them or the Shirelles or, you know, Bobby Darren needs a song. Or they'd come up with a song themselves and that would get then sold out to these bands. Quite remarkable when you think of it, eh? Yeah. Shirelle's Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. That's one of Carol King's. Will you play us one of hers? We what will. are you going to do for us? Well, I thought I'd, um, I've got beautiful New Zealand treasure in the room with me. Graham will drop, and hey, uh, he's on guitar. Hi. And uh, we thought we'd do a little, our own version of "I Feel the Earth Move." And now, what I love about this is that you know, I mean, she was a teenager writing these songs, but this is about the pleasures of a female body. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> I feel the earth. Move under my feet I feel the sky tumbling down I feel my heart start to tremble Whenever you're Mellow as the month of May I 
Beautiful performance of I Feel the Earth Move by Carol King, Ali Harper in our Christchurch studio, accompanied by Graham Waldrop on guitar. Well done, Ali. That was lovely. Thank you, Jesse. Do you still perform the show or have any plans to bring the show back? Yeah, we'll bring it to Auckland next year. We haven't yet done it there, so we'll expect you in the front row. Yeah, I'm keen. (laughs) Um, That that, that, um, song was from Tapestry, which is probably the CD or uh, the album that people have, they have one Carol mm. King album. Um, and where did she write that album? Where does that fit into her story? Well, she was in, um, by now, um, you know, they decided, because uh, not only were they professional couple in the studio writing, but they also became romantic couple. And uh, they had to have, you know, what back then was known as a shotgun wedding because Carol mm. got pregnant about 18 years of age. And so they moved from the more sensible suburbs of Brooklyn to New Jersey. And uh, they actually had two little girls, you know, under 20 years of age, which is amazing. And uh, Jerry had to go and get a real job but they still wrote music at night time while Carol was a mum and she loved being a mum but there was always this growing desire come on we want to get our songs out there but what happened was Jerry started to get really interested in other women you know and uh, he would actually warn Carol before he'd go off you know gallivanting around town and said you know Carol there's this really beautiful woman and then he discovered um, Bob Dylan and he got involved with drugs so the marriage eventually ended and um, now at this time as we're getting into sort of the late 60s early 70s the music industry is making its way from New York to California and so um, Carol also moves there and sets up home there and she meets all sorts of amazing songwriters and uh, so this is where Tapestry starts to be born. And this is part of the Laurel Canyon story right? James Taylor and Johnny Mitchell? Oh yeah absolutely and so they're all hanging out at one another's homes and, and you know, just having a great time together. Anyway, there's this woman there called Tony Stern, and she's just re- recently, you know, broken up with um, James Taylor. And so Carol and Tony get together and start creating music together. And, um, and so... Carol starts to put together all these fabulous songs for her tapestry record. And one in particular is the song she wrote with Tony. Um, and this, I would say, would be the song that really paved the way for women to write music about their feelings, huh. about our feelings, about, you know, our deepest That seems so obvious thoughts. now, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I, every day I'll get five emails from young, talented women Mm -hmm. uh, singer-songwriters saying, hey, check this out, this is something I've written or this is my album or um, that's normal, right? That's what you do when you're a young woman wanting to get into music now but but, but hard to believe there was a time when that was a new idea. Yes, women were either perceived as victims, um, you know, when men were writing songs about women, you know, they'd write it in a kind of a, well, men don't really know women, do you, Jessie, eh? Mm. We're a complex being and it's fantastic when we can celebrate all our complexities, you know, as we move throughout it decades. It's something to really honour and celebrate and that's why I think Carol's music is so fantastic and this song that they wrote together is, um, you know, it's too late. 
great. You know, about, you know, Tony breaking up with James Taylor. Carol had just, you know, broken up with Jerry Goffin. And so that's why this album, I think, resonates with, you know, not only people that bought the album in, you know, 1971, but today young people come up to me after the show and go, oh, my goodness, I love that album. And I go, but how do you know this music, you know? And they either say, oh, my mum had this record or my grandmother or I just bought it in the local record shop and I love it. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Let's, um, we're going to play this one off the album, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, Carol King and It's Too Late. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time There's something wrong here, there can be no denying One of us is changing, or maybe we just stopped trying And it's too late, baby, now it's too late Though we really did try to make it Something RNZ National, it's too late. Carol King, love the music in that one too. Ellie, the um, the, yeah. the is it a conga maybe? Um, yeah, yeah. And in my band um, that I tour with, I've got Doug Brush on congas and bongos. Oh, it's just cool. awesome. You can just imagine it, can't you? Yeah, <laughs> for fantastic. sure. Yeah. Um, tell us about up on the roof. Well, up on the roof, so you've got this wonderful relationship, you know, that um, Carol and James have as friends, collaborators. She tours with him in America in um, sort of that early 70s time. And um, James was 
really awesome for Carol and that remember I mentioned earlier how she had stage fright ever mm-hmm. since she was four well one night they're at the troubadour and um, they're standing in the wings waiting to go out in front of this packed crowd and James turns to Carol and goes okay Carol Tonight you're going on and you're soloing up on the roof. And Carol goes, no, no, no. And before she, you know it, you know, James has leapt out on stage. Yeah. So Carol goes out and sits at the piano and they start the first set. And then the band start to leave the stage and Carol's left there at the grand piano. And she takes a deep breath and she starts to play. And um, about, you know, after the second verse... All of a sudden, there comes this voice over the loudspeaker saying, okay, ladies and gentlemen, everyone, please leave the uh, theater. Uh, There's been a bomb scare. And so everyone has to get up and pile out onto the street, including Carol. And she's standing there waiting, 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 going, holy moly, I've got to go back on and do it again. And she's absolutely, you know, pretty terrified. Anyway, they get told that they can go back on to the stage and start the show again. So she takes a place, you know, at the piano. And uh, before she starts to play, she turns to the audience and says, well, as long as it wasn't my playing and singing, that was the bomb scare. (laughs) And everyone laughs. They applaud enthusiastically. And and Carol has this epiphany. She goes, wow, they... You know, they only want me to be myself. Mm-hmm. And so from that day forwards, you know, she just gets out there. And that's what you see when you ever see her live or you see her on, you know, now she's still on social media, face to face on face, you know, FaceTime, Facebook. And she's just herself at 82 years of age. She's awesome. And I think that's the other thing we love about her is she's so relatable. She'd be someone you could invite to your house for a dinner party, <laughs> you know, just a down to earth good woman. Just and so that you just sit on your uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Couch next to the window with your cat, yeah, uh, just like on the it. cover of Tapestry. I know um, they were her homemade curtains, by the way. Oh. So it's pretty, and that was her cat Telemachus. So she <laughs> was very unpretentious, you know, for her photo shoot. But up on the roof, now what I love about up on the roof, and of course James Taylor has taken this on the road a lot. Um, I just think. In the current climate and you know environment we're living on, where we've just got so much bombarding us, news-wise, environmentally, election-wise, I think this song is a great reminder that when things get too much, we find that little place, whether it's in our garden, whether it's climbing on top of a mountain top and just sitting there. And, and having some quiet time. And for me, this is what this song is all Great. about. You're going to sing this one for us, huh? Yes, I am. Over to you. Thanks. When this old world starts getting me down And people are just too much for me to face top of the stairs and all my cares just drift right into space on the roof it's peaceful as can be and there the world below can't bother me Sweet. I 
beautiful rendition. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Ellie. Thank you, Jesse. A lot of love coming through on text uh, for you and for the um, beautiful playing of Graham Wooldrop on guitar. Hmm. So her music endures, huh? In a way that you, it's not true of every performer, singer-songwriter from the 60s and 70s. Her music sounds fantastic in 2023. Why is that? Well, I think a lot of artists have kept her music alive as well. You know, when you think of all the incredible, you know, singers that have, you know, Rod Stewart, everybody's covered it, you know. And, of course, later on we're going to hear from one of the icons of, of, you know, female singers. Um, But um, I just think, again, her subject matter, she's so smart. She's so in tune with how people feel and what people need to hear. And I think that's still really relevant today. I mean, I personally need to hear these songs, you know, when you think of even the song Tapestry, which is really obscure. I mean, what is it actually about? But then life can be really complicated, can't it? And so, you know, we've just always got these songs, um, you know, through these artists. And that's exactly what she wanted right from when she was that teenager and said, I want my song to be heard. I don't want to necessarily sing them, she said. She never wanted to be famous. And, and, and her rawness of her own voice, I mean, you've got all those craggles. It's not perfect. But that's the other thing that people love to hear. You don't necessarily want to hear the most perfect voice in the world. And, you know, as a singing coach, I always say, come back to the lyrics. You know, you can have the greatest voice in the world, but that can only just give you so, so far to travel because it feels sometimes a little soft when you hear perfection we want to hear rawness and truth and that's why Carol as a solo artist also became incredibly famous in her own right because she was so good at storytelling um, we're going to take a break 
um, well, we're going to finish up and uh, go to the news, but I will play that um, song that you referred to after the news. Mm. You make me feel like a natural woman, mm. and, and a lot of people won't think of Carol King when they hear that song. No. Oh, there's so many songs she wrote that people go, really? The Beatles made that. They they wrote that. No, Carol did. Um, you know, all these incredible artists, and people do get quite surprised, and that's the other thing I love in my show is that it is, does surprise people. You can see people going, wow, she wrote that too. So neat, hey? Hey, well, uh, I look forward to playing it. And uh, you drop us a note when you're next touring this show, Ellie. Thank you, Jesse. People have really enjoyed hearing you um, sing today and uh, also your commentary on the life of Carol King, Ellie Harper, in our Christchurch studio. Thanks so much.